This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Show Radio's thought for this week is called Conservative Socialism, and it starts with two quotations, the first from Margaret Thatcher and the second from Ronald Reagan. The problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. And we don't have a trillion dollar debt because we haven't taxed enough. We have a trillion dollar debt because we spend too much. As someone who believes passionately in individual freedom and a more egalitarian form of capitalism, I am significantly challenged by last week's autumn statement. Of course, fiscal responsibility must be the top priority. But how can a conservative government justify consolidating state intervention by failing to set out a proper strategy for getting public spending under control and by concentrating only on taxing everything that moves? including electric cars. Five weeks ago, we set out, and I submitted to HM Treasury at the time, some proposals called Health and the Economy, not only for a significant reduction in the crippling cost of the health service, but also for introducing a degree of intergenerational fairness so that NHS use by wealthy old people is not paid for by taxes on the working young. The Chancellor has clearly passed on this opportunity by asking former Labour Health Secretary Patricia Hewitt to advise the NHS on efficiency, hardly the basis for starting to unwind 70 years of socialist welfare dysfunctionality. It's interesting to note, however, that in Scotland the NHS has picked up the proposal, as the BBC reported on the morning of this recording. So. In the absence of such strategic rebalancing, decisions have been taken to focus on swinging increases in personal taxation and personal investment on ordinary working people. The heart of the UK's problem is excess intermediation, which has gradually infected all economic and political activity in the United Kingdom. With national debt now so huge, it's very difficult to extract ourselves. It seems that Margaret Thatcher's prophetic words are becoming a reality. However, this Conservative government could at least make an attempt. Economics is unfortunately doing very little to set out alternative approaches for government to consider. The profession has also become addicted to heavyweight intermediation by the public sector and is steered predominantly by aggregates, rather than looking at relative standard of living across both socioeconomic groups and age cohorts. There is also a singular lack of interest in exploring long-term changes, such as the impact of technology on the way we live. There is an assumption that everything can be based 
on meaningful comparisons with the past. As a result, our chronic levels of excess debt were overlooked throughout the long period of rock-bottom interest rates, and no attempt has been made to develop a meaningful replacement for gross domestic product, that is, GDP, in order to measure the standard of living. We commented on this in April 2020. There is also the same rigid differential between the owners of capital and labour that has existed since the Industrial Revolution. As a result, HM Treasury despairs over the statistics of our missing workforce and plans to require work coaching for over 600,000 people. Perhaps they will discover that a large proportion have discovered other styles of life in which universal credit is sufficient for covering their basic needs. Perhaps they should have considered further our thought for the week on 26th of September. Workforce capacity is the missing link. However, you can only integrate capital and labour if you move away from the assumption that capital should belong exclusively to the rich. The autumn statement may have appeared to be a burden on the latter, with the lowering of the 45% tax threshold, but no serious moves towards rebalancing were evident, as the continued tax privileges of non-DOM status made clear. What this tells us is that capital rebalancing is an international, not a domestic issue. HM Treasury has real and genuine concerns that tough action in this area will trigger an exodus of high net worth business leaders and wealth generators. This is why we included economic justice in our thought for last week, empowering the United Nations. No wonder we appear to be stuck in a political and economic rut. In order to get out of it, we need economists who can see the wood for the trees. And in particular, we need to understand how technology is changing everything. Tech is not just another business sector. It is driving everything we do. How we communicate. How and what we buy and sell. How much travelling we do. Whether labour is needed in addition to artificial intelligence. The role of competition and how technical obsolescence affects the balance between productivity and innovation. But above all, we need to get capital ownership of technology moving out into the possession of its very large customer base. And the currency of data storage and harvesting prevents us with a real opportunity in this regard. See our commentary in August 2020. The challenge is that this transition to mass capital participation has to be international. Egalitarian capitalism would enable people from all walks of life to make the journey from working for money towards the point where money works for them, so that we no longer see capital and labour as protagonists across society, but where both are available to all. It is a vision that these opportunities should be for individuals, not for the public sector. This is a long way from the road that Hunt and Sunak are currently walking, stuck in their rut of conservative socialism. If they continue down this road to the next election, it is difficult to see how they will regain popular support. Those people who are satisfied with socialism 
will seek to be governed by the party which understands it best. Over the next two years, there will be intense focus on developing party manifestos. The challenge for the Conservatives, which we discussed on the 9th of May this year, is whether they can mature from a simplistic balancing of right and left factions within their party to this understanding, that at the heart of their message needs to be individual freedom within an egalitarian society. They are a long way from this at present.